0: The six seven sophomore from East Meadow, New York.
1: Leadership is
0: learned. A starter on Coach Dean Smith's legendary 1982 Tar Heels National Championship team with Michael Jordan. Jordan comes down with a rebound. Clears it away to Darty. Darty going in against Floyd. But the
1: up is good. Leadership is earned.
0: Head coach at the University of North Carolina and the University of Notre Dame. You notice Matt D'Arty. He is up working every second of this ballgame.
1: Leadership is taught.
0: Public speaker, author, and executive coach.
1: And leadership does not require a title. This is the Rebound Podcast with Coach Matt Doherty. Welcome to the Rebound Podcast. I'm Matt Doherty, and I'll be your host. On this podcast, we focus on the topic of leadership in an open and raw kind of way. We discuss failures and how to rebound from them. I became passionate about leadership after being forced to resign from my coaching job at North Carolina in 2003. I went on a leadership journey and realized it's the most undertaught topic in formal schooling, and yet the most important. With me today is former governor of the great state of North Carolina, Pat McCrory. He's a popular morning show on WBT with Bo Thompson. Pat, welcome to Rebound. It's great to be here. I thought this show was going to be
0: with Brad Dortrich. Yeah, yeah. Not well, Matt. Dortry. I appreciate I... that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Matt, it's, I've enjoyed being a friend of yours for a long time. I'll never forget us having conversations at, I think, the old Charlotte Coliseum, probably 20-some years ago. You probably don't remember, but I remember meeting you. Wow. And uh, yeah, I was real impressed then, and I'm more impressed now. I I, I keep fooling you. No. I keep fooling you. Um, No, it's,
1: it's, you know, you and I have talked about leadership a great Mm -hmm. deal, and we both have failed. You ran for governor in 2008. You were defeated. You came back in 2012 and won. Mm Mm-hmm. In 2016, you had a deal with a controversial HB2 bill, and then in 2016, you lost the reelection campaign to uh, Roy Cooper. That race was too close too close to call. You conceded, and yet there were some claims of maybe voter fraud, mm-hmm. which seems mm-hmm. to be a hot topic these days. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, uh, I want to get raw, personal. I want to, I want you know, just to peel it back. Mm-hmm. What was your
0: biggest failure in your career? My biggest failure in my career was probably not focusing on three or four issues as opposed to trying to fight every battle. When I look back at, from the, my 30s on, I, I tend to be one who want to play devil's advocate on everything with everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think I learned in the long run, you got to pick your battles. And, um, I got better at it through the years. But now that, when I look back at Governor, I, I I had three or four different objectives in every department that reported to me because I came to change things. I came things to leave the state a better state, which I think we did. I don't think we failed as Governor. Mm-hmm. We failed in reelection as Governor. And a lot of times in failure, in the you don't actually because a lot of things you do in sports or in politics or in business the long-term impact isn't felt for years because the decisions you're making today have a long-term impact and you don't measure it for for four or five or six or even ten years like when I was mayor the light rail line that I implemented you know at the time everyone said said to be a total failure Well, it's going to take 5 to 10 to 20 years to make it happen. It was a 25-year transportation plan, and yet we aren't measured as a coach or a politician in 25-year spans. We're measured in every two or three-year spans based upon what your contract says. And that's the real challenge, I think, for leadership is the measurement cycles are way too small because um, if you're doing the right thing, you're implementing long-term things that will have ramifications for generations to come not just for the next basketball season or the next political election in the day of technology mm-hmm. short
1: attention spans mm-hmm. when you want to implement long-term plans long-term change what do you tell your younger self what would you tell your younger self how to how to implement that how can because we need long-term mm-hmm. vision and planning how would you recommend the governor now do that or, or or
0: a mayor now what would you do differently in that process? well i actually did it at both governor and mayor but i didn't do it necessarily to win an election like we implemented a transportation system in both north carolina and in charlotte which are working uh the long-term plans i took the politics out of road building in north carolina Where we used to be, before I became governor, we built every road based upon where the most powerful politician lived. And you ever notice when you used to go down the roads on the way to Mm -hmm. to Wrightsville Beach when you were at Carolina or whatever, the roads would widen all of a sudden and it'd be named after a politician where the road was widened? That means it was probably built based upon politics, not based upon needs. I took that total formula out. And that remains today, which means we're building roads where they need to be built, not based upon where the politicians say it needs to be built. That hurt me in my reelection because I couldn't wheel and deal and use road building as a political tool to get votes, which you see at the national and the state level. But it was the best decision to make. And I'm very, very proud of that decision where I literally took power away from the governor and put it in formulas. Which no other governor done. If you notice, a lot of roads are named after governors, and it just happens to go through their hometown. Well, there's no road named after me, <laughs> and there never will be, because I, I built roads based upon where the formulas said you need to build the roads, and they're being built right now in the Charlotte region based upon formulas. When you were
1: making those decisions, mm-hmm. you have a choice to do what's right or to do what's in your best interest self-preservation mm-hmm. that comes at the
0: direction of a moral compass mm-hmm. internally did you ever have that struggle like- constantly constantly and any politician who doesn't tell you that and any basketball coach who tells you that they don't have that when you're you're tempted to recruit a person who doesn't have grades or wants to have money or their parents want something in return, you're going, Oh, my job's dependent upon getting this guy. Well, our jobs, every politician's jobs are dependent upon political donations or large groups of people either voting for you or against you, and you're threatened by people. If you don't do this, I'm gonna make sure we get a hundred thousand people not to vote for you, or twenty thousand or fifty in a neighborhood, which couldn't impact an election. I lost an election by 5,000 votes, five to 10,000 votes out of 4.6 million. Mm. Now, do you think I could have maybe got some extra votes by putting roads in particular areas based upon politics? Yeah, I probably could have. And the list goes on. I could give you example after example where – you know, people would give you a large donation, and later on, they'd come and ask you for a favor. And you'd have to go, you know, for example, hey, I would like a road through my city now. And you go, sorry, doesn't meet our formula. And they go, well, wait a minute, I gave you a frickin' check to get elected? You're not getting that anymore. I go, well, thank you very much. I was hoping you gave me the check because you had thought I'd be the best leader, not that I'd do a quid pro quo. Quid Pro quo. Absolutely. That's
1: been a popular term over the last uh, couple of years. It's
0: a a term in everything. I mean, a lot of times in personal relationships, in business, in politics, you expect something in return for what you gave. And that's not really a moral compass. If you're doing something based upon giving something to get something in return, you you know, in my faith, you give something because it comes from the from the heart, mm-hmm. from the soul. Mm-hmm. It happens naturally. Unconditional love, you're doing the right thing. But that conflicts with, well, if I don't do this, I won't get reelected. And therefore, I won't be able to continue to do the good things for the long term. And that's the struggle. But if you, if you start playing those games in the short run, the people know you then play that game and you're compromised for the rest of your life. And I'm sure, Matt, that's true in coaching, too, where the coaches that cheat at the beginning, it's always, you're always going to have that reputation. And you might even get to the top, but the fall mm-hmm. is very, very tough. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I, I can relate to that 100%. What was your worst day as the governor like was it when you lost the election was it what was the most gut-wrenching day
0: and how did you feel i think the toughest days is when me or my family was being um, threatened with physical harm and violent verbal harm it was very very tough on my wife and even my nieces and nephews i i had a niece come up to me one day and go uncle Pat, i just lost a business contract because you're my uncle. That hit me in the gut more than anything else, because it's one thing for me to lose an election. That hurts me. But to have my name have an impact in a negative way on my niece, man, I I, I didn't sleep that night. I just, and she went, Uncle Pat, you're doing the right thing. I love you with unconditional love. And but it, that it hurts it hurt me more than when it hurt other people than when it hurt me election night was, surely was tough election night when i was declared the winner in 2016 my re-election on national news i was declared the winner by the major networks and i was about to go walk out on stage uh to i had a speech written for losing and a speech written for winning mm. And I was ready to get, and all of a sudden, my campaign manager pulled me back and said, Wait a minute, Durham just came in with 100,000 votes unexpectedly. Over 99% of the votes were in, and all of a sudden, you know, we thought there'd be scattered votes left everywhere, you know, it'd all have the same return. And all of a sudden, 100,000 votes from Durham. And I said, 100,000 votes? And they they just came in. I said, From where? And they went, Durham. And I went, We've lost. We had a 90,000 lead at that time. Wow, 100,000 votes. Yeah, and they were, uh, for my opponent, about 10 to 1 in Durham. Yeah. And I remember I felt crushed, but I started looking at all the people around me, and they were more crushed than I was. What was your initial, like, there's times where I think you go numb. Mm-hmm. You just kind of get numb, and you feel like it's surreal. Like I was in the Marriott Hotel kitchen outside the ballroom. When I was told this at 11:45 at night, and by the way, I'd already gotten calls of congratulations from Vice President Pence and other major leaders from across the nation. Congratulations on your reelection! Wow. And um, I'm, I was in the kitchen, and I remember just my body went numb. Yeah, it went literally numb because then I had to go back out on TV, live TV, in front of national. Yeah. And I didn't have a speech written for this, not knowing what the hell just happened. Right. And so I went out, and I've looked at the replay one time, and my poor wife had to stand there. She was she was just so supportive. But, you know, the, the poor spouses have to, have to stay there. I'm, you went through that, hell. The collateral damage, the I call it. The collateral damage, no doubt about it. The, and my wife had to go out on live TV and pretend she was enjoying it. And we were kind of in shock. And for some reason, it came to my mind, listen, uh, a hurricane just happened. 28 people just died in Hurricane Matthew. I've got forest fires up in the mountains right now. I'm going to focus on that. There are big, bigger issues in the world. And it got me thinking outside of my own selfish box. But the drive home was very, very tough. Because I had been called from the governor's mansion because we were watching the returns um and they said governor it's time to come you've won wow so all the way there you know we were getting, oh my I was getting text you won you won so i walk in and my i walk into the back room and my family all hugs me and and then all of a sudden my staff goes uh, something's wrong we just got these votes so i went from top to the bottom probably like the Olympic team of uh what 68 or 72 uh, 72 72, where they thought they won the game and then all of a sudden they get another shot at it yeah two or three shots very similar that that
1: drastic like you (laughs) can get the bends in that like you 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 go from from 100 down to zero Mm -hmm. in a matter of seconds Mm -hmm. Like do, you, like, do you get physically On nauseous? live
0: TV. <laughs> <laughs> On live
1: TV? Yeah. <laughs> how, how do you ah. flip the switch, you know, the mask? Like, we have to m- wear masks mm-hmm, as leaders. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can't show
0: your true emotions. Mm-hmm. You can't say how no, you truly feel. No, I was feel. faking it. Faking it. I was faking it. Um, I was crushed because I loved the job. And I thought, not only did I love the job, I thought we were doing a great job. So, but I had to fake it for, first, my own family. Right. Because they were sitting there going, oh, my God, we just applauded him and hugged him and thanked him. I'd been through loss before. I'd lost elections before. I'd lost in 08, which was tough. You tend to remember the losses more than you're... A hundred percent. When I won in 012, it was like my wife and I, everyone looked at me and said, you won, you won. And my wife and I looked at each other like, I guess we won. It was like we weren't... Overwhelmed, Right. It was like losing. We were like in shock winning. It was like, all right, I guess we got to do the job now. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, and my really, wife, really good next good. thing we know, we have all these new friends, and everyone's wanting our picture and autographs and yeah. selfies and national TV. And, and all of a sudden, when you win, like when you were named coach of Carolina, you're smarter, you're better looking, and people laugh at your jokes. The minute you lose, your phone stops.
1: I said one of the (laughs) most therapeutic things when I lost my job at North Carolina was Mm -hmm. 75% of my Rolodex got cleared out. Mm -hmm. And in a good way, I knew now who my true friends were.
0: I'd known that in the past, though, because I had already left the mayor's job. I'd been mayor 14 years and left on my own two feet, but even after leaving on your own two feet, my rolodex you know i was no longer invited to the a parties you know when you're mayor and governor you're invited to everything you know you're on the a list and once you're out of office even voluntarily you're dismissed immediately this happens to everybody what what is the biggest thing and
1: and you and i've talked about this (laughs) give me two or three things (laughs) the perks the little things that that the audience wouldn't you know think of that you miss the most of being the governor or the mayor that you don't have now as a you know let's say
0: regular citizen well the toughest thing which I've now kind of like not having but on January 1st my security was taken away Roy Cooper decided to get sworn in at midnight which had never been done before on New Year's night usually you wait till January 5th or the 20th to get sworn in and the media doesn't know this no one's real but he said i'm gonna get sworn in at midnight and i went really am i supposed to come because it's supposed to be a smooth transition something trump didn't do with biden well cooper didn't do it with me he did it at midnight but and then security took me home to charlotte and they dropped us off at the driveway and said and these were people that were with us for four years every they were more part of our lives than my wife and i were with each other right and they just said thank you very much governor we, we we've been told to go back to raleigh immediately well i was still getting threats so my wife is like in total shock she's going pat the security's leaving us are you kidding me are you kidding me and um you know i continued to get threats um for a long period of time as, as the former governor of North Carolina. I feel sorry for Mike Pence right now. His security ends after six months, apparently, where the president has total security. But right now, Mike Pence is getting threats from all sides. And I imagine, I know Mike Pence's wife, and I imagine his wife's going, are you kidding me? Our family, and we don't have a house now, by the way. Mike Pence is looking for a house right now. They haven't had a house for eight years as governor. And um, so my wife, I'm, I'll never forget that look. They're leaving? So uh, that was probably, the, some would call it a perk, but there's a downside of security, too. There is no privacy when you have security, mm-hmm. none. I mean, Beverly Purdue, my predecessor, told me when I was coming off, she said, your security will know Know about your arguments with your family or spouses before you do. (laughs) And I thought that was so funny, and it was true. Mm. They could, I mean, it was a very lonely life, and you almost feel like a prisoner. I could not leave the governor's mansion. They would not open the fence if I went to the fence and say, I want to go take a walk. They went, hold on, governor, we got to have someone walk with you. I go, no, open the daggum fence. Governor, we're not going to open the fence. Wow, and I went. I'm a prisoner, aren't I? And they went, "Yes, sir, you are." Wow. <laughs> what? Um... And thank God for them because they had to protect me on several occasions where I took walks around Raleigh every night around ten thirty. I'd, I'd work till ten, ten thirty every night, and then to stress release, I'd literally go walk with a member of security around downtown Raleigh just by myself. And most people wouldn't know it was me. They would be shocked at 11 o'clock. I'm just walking down Main Street of Raleigh, but every once in a while, you know, someone would say something pretty obscene to me, and and one time I wanted I was not in the mood. (laughs) Have <laughs> you ever get that way with a coach where someone just gets under your skin? And, no, not me. No, not, not you. Not me. For <laughs> that one fan behind the bench, you've just had it, you know. No, not, never, not, never, not never you, experienced never. that, Governor. Well, it happened to me one time when walking – because someone said some very rude, crude things, and there were some kids around. And I went – so I went up to the guy's face and just started giving it to him. And not cussing, because there were kids around going, you never do that – and the guy said, "Do you want to fight?" And I see. I was going. I'm ready, buddy. How and, about that? And my well, this governor throws right, down. And, this is and right hills front, throw Street. <laughs> this is right in the Capitol building. And I'll never forget my security guy named Purdue. I saw that he was about to take the guy down. Yeah. And he would have. And he was a bad guy. I mean. And that's when I realized. Wait a minute. It's not about me. Then my security would have to. Yeah. You know, and it'd Go- probably be on a video and. It's just not worth it. No, but
1: when you're in that moment, yeah. um, there's a, a great follow on Twitter, Tim Kite, who mm. works with Urban Meyer, and he talks about this formula that I've used, haven't perfected but use yeah. uh, E plus R equals O, where E is the event, like the person yelling at you on the right. street, R is your reaction, and that equals O, the outcome, yeah. and the only thing we control is the R. Yeah, We can't control that guy yelling at us, but yeah. we can control our reaction. The better our reaction, the better the outcome. And we have to hit the pause button mm-hmm. and put ourselves in timeout. And that is probably one of the hardest things I ever had to learn. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you've...
0: Yeah, especially if my family was with me. Yeah. If they said something in front of my family, that's when I wanted to retaliate or in front of kids. Now, one time I was at the Pancake House here in Charlotte, or one of the pancake places, and a a guy, uh, I was walking to go pay my bill with a guest, and he said something very obscene to me as I walked by, and I this is probably six months out of, after being governor, and I said, excuse me, what'd you say, sir? He said, you heard me and repeated it, and he was with a, another lady, and and at that point in time, I was wanting to do one of three things. I wanted to hit him. Right. Because he embarrassed not just me but my my guest and then i one another choice was okay do i hit him do i try to rational with him have a discussion with him well what do you mean why did you say that but i saw his veins coming out of his neck it wasn't gonna no mm-hmm. or do i say peace be with you mm-hmm. and walk away mm-hmm. i said peace be with you did you and Good then i you. said you need to watch your language and I walked away. But when I walked away and paid my bill and went out to the parking lot, my, my my associate saw me get in the car and wanted wanted to make sure I left because he was seeing me sit there. Once I got in the car was when I got mad. I said, I'm going to go heck with this. I'm going back in there because that guy's proud of himself for cussing the former governor out. Mm-hmm. And I remember the guy came up to me and knocked on my window and said, gov, leave, leave. And I went, I know it. I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> yeah, I've been there because
1: you're compet. You wouldn't get to where you were without being competitive. No. And then when someone challenges sure. you, the the core emotions yeah. come out. You t- you touched on a couple
0: times. You know, I was a referee before this, oh, so I've been called every name in the book. <laughs> Yeah, Which was a great training ground. I mean, I've been called every name in the book yeah. as a referee, much worse than a frickin' well, look, politician. Yeah, well, I... I I, I, I was, was a great
1: referee, too, by the way. Yeah, well, that's what you keep saying. Uh, yeah, and you, you said you called walking on Michael Jordan in a game when that that I played in. Um, he traveled. Yeah. All yeah. the time. Yeah. Now, Coach Smith would argue. Anyway, <laughs> you referenced your faith a couple times. Mm-hmm how as you How did your faith help you um, through these leadership moments, and how did your faith maybe grow after you left the governor 's mansion
0: hmm. well i don 't know if it 's grown since the governor 's mansion because I had it before, but i 've had to rely on it more as I went through the grieving process of a loss. You know, there are three major types of grieving. One is over loss of a job, which you and I have had in public, a loss of a loved one due to death, and maybe a marriage breakup. To me, those are the three biggies, you know, sickness included in that. And each of those go through a grieving process, and my, my faith helped me go through that grieving process. And I had to give it time, serenity. And also you had to realize when you're governor, when you're a coach, <clears throat> you start believing the world is revolving around you, Oh, it's it, it. doesn't. Yeah, that's the <laughs> dilemma. That's the dilemma. But you see all the you know the cartoons about you. You open up the newspaper. There's an editorial cartoon, and you see people laughing. I, I literally had friends. Did you see that cartoon about you? Well, let me give you, your audience a warning. When the cartoons about you, it's not funny. You might try to pretend it's funny and laugh it off in front of the public. Yeah, that's funny. But deep down. No one has thin skin. Some people can just cover up their thin skin better than others.
1: So talk to me a little bit more about that grieving process because mm-hmm. that is critical mm-hmm. when you're dealing with losses you just mm-hmm. touched on.
0: And I'd been through job loss before, but that was um, extremely tough, mainly because of the high profile, you're almost embarrassed. You feel like you let people down which some people remind you of that they have, that you have. Um, you feel for your family, and you also wonder where your next paycheck's gonna come from. I remember when I lost in 08, most people don't realize, I quit my entire job and my wife and I had no income while I ran for governor in 08. And then the day after the election, when I lost to Beverly Perdue by about 3%, it was a very close election too, not nearly as close as the other one in 16, but, We were at the elevator and I was carrying all of Ann's stuff to the elevator, all her dresses that she was expecting to wear as First Lady, you know, that night. And the elevator door opened at the Downtown Hilton in Charlotte and all of a sudden I dropped everything and it said a cuss word. I went, oh, blank. And she said, what's wrong? And I said, we don't have a ride home. I had all these people around me during the campaign taking me everywhere. They were gone the next morning. Security was gone then too, because there was a chance I was going to win that night. So all of a sudden, the state patrol were around me that night. But the minute I was announced as the not the victor, <laughs> you're not important to protect anymore. Mm. But it's even worse once you're in the office. Mm. So um, the grieving process. First of all, you have to understand what you're going through. You know, you're going to go through your period of uh, shock, of emotion, of revenge. Of understanding of patience of and then you'll recycle through those several times you think you're over it and then something will remind you of it this is true with death too with my I've gone through some tough death in my family and it recycles and you have to recognize that I am coming out with a book called
1: Rebound from Pain to Passion Mm -hmm. and that's why I started this podcast what a great title thank you Um, and in it I put in a chapter about driving over the bitter river mm-hmm. and there's no guardrails. it's a hefty toll mm-hmm. and there's triggers that will that will want you force you to drive mm-hmm. into the bitter river mm-hmm. those triggers for me or maybe north carolina winning a national championship or one of my former players with being, some of your players you recruited yeah, uh, yeah. or somebody yeah signing. i can
0: tell you're you're still a, <laughs> yeah I get it. So,
1: some, some, you know, a, a, yeah. a coach signing a huge bonus, or even a coach getting fired and getting paid like ten million not to coach, right? You know, so those <clears> triggers.
0: I didn't have that problem. <laughs> I had no insurance when I left. I had to get on Cobra. I had no pen. I have. Most people think I have a state pension and state insurance. I have nothing. I had to go get on Cobra on January first wow. after I was governor for four years. And most people think I'm taken care of. No, I had no insurance for not just me but for my wife that's just builds up that inner anger yeah but i knew it so yeah. i'm not playing the victim card right. i knew it but the problem is most people think right because i was governor i'm taken care of no i have no pension no anything yeah but that i'm not that's maybe the way it should be yeah, right because <laughs> you want to get in politics for the right reason for to force me to go find a job so the triggers you mm-hmm. know that drive
1: that, that can force you off the bridge into mm-hmm. the bitter river. Um, what triggers are there in your life,
0: uh, and, and how do you manage them? Well, every night on TV, I watch something going on in Raleigh in my old office. And you want to go just like you'd watch the new coach, your replacement, or you would watch a Carolina basketball game. Well, I watch press conferences where I used to hold press conferences and we see them wearing the same shirt that I used to wear during emergencies and you're going wait a minute you're not you're not you're doing a lousy job how do you look nearly as how, good as I did. and the heck did you have the nerve to wear that and what you're saying you know you mutter to yourself but you can't mutter that out loud you just got to accept it and move on and i've gotten it took a year it took a year um so um you know you just you, again the world doesn't resolve revolve around you and most people don't care right <laughs> most people really they've moved on right that's the and thing every once in a while a couple but you were robbed i have people you were robbed you were those election was stolen from you and that really doesn't help me
1: <laughs> i say the same thing people say you got you got screwed you got a raw deal just like yeah, you yeah. and they think they're making you feel better but yeah. i've got that's a trigger right so
0: i tell them hey thank you very much but i'm i've moved on now i will tell you this final story i was at a christmas party december after i'd lost the election and i was just ending my governorship today and i it was like my funeral at this christmas party <laughs> in greensboro i'll never forget and There was this long line of people it was like i was the casket and everyone was going god has a plan for you there's a reason for this and really meant good and finally this one wonderful lady from Greensboro, who's very person of great faith said right to me said god has a plan for you and i said i appreciate it and all of a sudden she just stopped she looked at me said oh that's bs you got screwed (laughs) and it we just broke down laughing because it was what i needed at the time my, my mom would always
1: say it's good to laugh
0: and, and, it, and we every time I see her now, I go that right. release. And again, we're both people of strong faith. But sometimes you just need to go, yeah, get through it, yeah. You know, right now is not the time to hear God has a plan for you. You just need to get through the next day. Yeah. And um, but I do believe God has a plan for us. And just like in any loss or any victory, there are things that are going to happen that never would have happened. My dad before he died and he died a week after i was elected mayor i said dad if there was anything you could have done differently in your life what would you have done and he went there would have been a, i would have done a lot son but it, had i did him done him differently a lot of the good things might not have happened amen and i'll never forget that with yeah i would have done a lot of things differently but you know a lot of great things have happened yeah And I'm very lucky. I have more than I deserve. Amen. I know that. (laughs) Well, Pat, Governor, uh, thanks for
1: sharing. We learned a lot. I think that we will not really get all the answers until we're uh, in, hopefully, the rightful place above. And we'll find out why. Why? You know, I think we always want to know why, mm-hmm. why God. That
0: was when we find out.
1: Yeah, plan. we'll find out and he'll say, yeah. I, I closed that door. I slammed that door because you were getting ready to go down a path or, right. you know, it we might have been know. to
0: protect us from something that would have happened. Exactly right. And yeah. that's,
1: that's what's called faith. Yeah. And that's tough. Yeah. And that's challenged when you're a leader. And I think your faith and hopefully my faith is stronger than our ego and pride. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully uh, for a while there. I wasn't quite sure, Well, Matt. I
0: just want to thank you. This is a great idea for this podcast. And you and I have had long private discussions about this. Yes, sir. And, and you've helped me. Oh. And hopefully I've helped you as we go through this journey. Well, I think I think talking about it mm-hmm. because anger turned inward leads to depression. Mm-hmm.
1: So by just sharing and hopefully Someone is listening to this right now. And you
0: don't have to be a governor or a coach to go through. Everyone goes through this. 100%. A mom or a dad who has difficulty with their children. Everyone loses their job one time or any time. When they retire, they lose their job or their their identity. So it's not if you're going to go through this, it's when. (laughs) Amen. It's just not all on TV or on the front page of the newspaper. Yes, sir. Which I well, don't recommend. Yeah, yeah, I don't recommend
1: <laughs> it either. Well, Governor McCrory, thank you for joining me on my first I'm uh, honored. podcast, Rebound podcast. The next sec- episode, we're going to have a good friend of yours and mine, UNC former basketball player and current pastor, David Chadwick. He can never go left. He can ne- <laughs> <laughs> We'll join us on Rebound. Thanks for listening. I welcome any and all feedback. You can reach me on Twitter at Darty Matt. Thank you very much.